Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. From the, I'm, I'm in the Baseball America podcast nook. Aaron, of course, out on the West Coast. The 2013 regular season is here, Aaron. Let's just jump right in uh, to this week's college podcast. We've still got a co- uh, Google Hangout to do. We'll have the Google Plus Hangout. Uh, added on to our college coverage this year with the uh, the chat, the top 25 tra- tracker, the top 25 rankings, the the weekend preview, the mailbag, the whole panoply of Baseball America college coverage. No one brings it to you like uh, like Baseball America and Aaron Fitz. So Aaron, uh, are you not entertained, listeners? Are you not entertained? I love it. <laughs> I love that reference. It's still a good reference. Thank you, a- Aaron. I don't think anyone's going to be entertained by the top seven in our rankings because we went chalk, but there was movement in our top ten. And that movement, uh, shockingly, comes from the Southeastern Conference team. As Ole Miss sweeps TCU, preseason number 13, Ole Miss sweeps number 14 in the preseason, TCU. So now we're in between Vanderbilt at 2, Arkansas at 3, Mississippi State at 5, South Carolina at 7, and Ole Miss at 8, LSU at 9. My math skills are terrible, but I can count six of our top nine uh, teams are from the Southeastern Conference, and that is a lot of teams. That's a lot of teams, seven out of 11. I mean, man, and what is it? Still, I believe still eight of the top 25, if I'm not eight mistaken. Eight of 17. With, eight of 17, uh, yeah. Down there at 17. Well, I mean, this is, you know, this league is crazy deep, and uh, I think Ole Miss, uh, you know, justified its, its its ranking. We were, you know, maybe a little more aggressive with Ole Miss than some of the other rankings. I haven't studied all the other rankings, I'll be honest, but I, I feel like we were, you know, we were pretty high on the Rebels. Um, and, uh, you know, they showed why this weekend, I think they're going to be a really good run prevention outfit. You know, I love obviously the, the, the frontline pitching with Bobby Wall and Mike Myers. Um, you know, we talked about Chris Ellis, the emerging Sunday guy, love the, the, the improved depth of this bullpen. Um, you know, last year, of course, they, they were, they really, they had four guys that seemed like that they could trust. Um, and when, when Brett Huber was, was, Dealing with that nagging back injury, they had to move R.J. Hively from the Sunday roll into the bullpen to stabilize it. Um, and then they struggled on Sundays because they just didn't have enough quality arms. And, and now, all of a sudden, um, you know, you've got Huber healthy again, and you've got a great supporting cast in that bullpen. You saw Aaron Greenwood uh, pitch well this weekend. You saw Tanner Bailey. Uh, they have Josh Laxer who pitched well on Sunday. Um, you know, Hot Buchanan's back there. All these guys are now more seasoned and they're improved. Um, and, and, you know, the, the question was the lineup and, and the guys that they've been talking about that have kind of had buzz in, in the fall and the spring uh, performed this weekend, Austin Bossfield especially, um, and, and, and Stuart Turner, the catcher that they, they really like, uh, had a grand slam, a big grand slam in the first inning um, on Sunday, I believe. So, you know, th- this, uh, this lineup should be improved. Uh, we've talked about the speed and the defense. I mean, this is, I think, a pretty complete team. Yeah, it feels like a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways. And uh, the, the pitching is, uh, you know, whenever you have a guy like Bobby Wall, that's going to be, you know, to, to be your Friday guy, to start things, to be a, a guy who has Team USA experience, SEC experience, could be a first-round pick. That's an easy place to start. And, and he pitched well, but 
I think overall, like you said, the, the, what stands out about Ole Miss is the balance. And uh, they also have some great names here. And I'm just noticing Sykes Orvis. How have I missed yeah. Sykes Orvis? That's a great name. That is a great name. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's uh, that's all, name, all name team fodder. College baseball seems like it gives you more than its fair share of great names. Uh, Sykes Orvis. I've always been partial. Way back in the day, obviously, in recent years, Quintavious Drains was, mm-hmm. my, was my personal cheese ball for, for names. But I always used to like back in the day, Stanford had a couple of crazy names with uh, Eric Van Zant, which was spelled really A-R-I-K. I had a couple of Eric's. We also had Eric Hempy at South Carolina who spelled it that way. And then they, they had one of my favorite names at Stanford, Tobin Swope. Oh, that was a great name. I like how you go off on a names tangent here. We're supposed to keep this tight. Come on, Johnny. <laughs> can't do it, Aaron. I can't. I can't do tight. Uh, for TCU, Aaron, I guess the obvious concern here is even though Ole Miss is really good, and we talked about their pitching depth, uh, five runs or I guess four runs in the whole weekend for TCU. Yeah. We're still the Big Twelve favorite. I mean, that is, this weekend doesn't change that. What well, in your mind? Just what has to change or what has to improve for TCU to get going a little offensively? Who are maybe the players? who should spark them as they improve from this weekend sweep. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly they need uh, they need Kevin Crone to be the, the force in the middle of the lineup. I think that's really a key guy. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Um, but, you know, Crone and Odell, the sophomores, uh, and Jarek Suter, those guys are, are, are kind of the backbone of this lineup now. Um, you know, and they still have Jansen Witte, of course, who actually had, a, I think, a decent first weekend um they like cody jones at the top of the lineup i mean i think that the top five guys should be pretty good um it's the back half of the lineup that i worry more about you know i feel like there's less uh firepower in in, in the second half of the lineup than, than they're used to having there um so you know they need to pitch and they need to play defense and and you know they, they pitched pretty well this weekend i mean they're gonna they're still gonna win a lot of games because of their arms um and and their athleticism and they'll they'll better days are ahead for them offensively i mean you know this is a, a like like i said this was an elite i think pitching a defense team that they were playing against and uh and they are not an elite offense they're just not uh that's not how they're constructed this year uh but they they will hit better than they did this this weekend and and i think that uh uh they're still for me it's still the team to beat in the big 12 this year and another team in that general geographic footprint rice uh with a Series win this weekend. That was the other big top 25 series. Rice over Stanford, uh, winning two out of the three uh, games in that series. So- sounds like real quick, Aaron, uh, typical uh, – not typical. I, I, that's that, that's negative. Mark Capel had a really good year last year. But when he lost, with the exception of Florida State, it seemed like he the, the stuff was there. The first round, front of the first round, stuff was there. But for whatever reason, uh, in a Garrett Cole kind of way, Mark Appel can still be hittable. Um, yeah. Is that kind of your quick read on Friday and how good Austin Kubica was? Uh, talk yeah, a little yeah. bit about that. I mean, you know, Appel only lost twice last year. The other time, uh, was it Fresno State that beat him early on, I think? I, I think mean, so. I think you're you right. Know, I mean, he, had, he had a pretty darn good junior year. Yes, I mean, he did. I, earlier in his career, you're right. I mean, he'd be more susceptible to this kind of stuff. But I don't know. I mean, it, it sounded like, from what I understand, the stuff was good, like you said, this weekend. And, you know, no no cause for alarm, certainly with Mark Capel. He'll be fine. Um, the, the lineup... You know, I mean, they, they, they missed Austin Wilson's presence the last two games of the, of the series. Um, you know, just a, a sound like a, a minor injury, maybe a strain or something like that below the elbow. I think I read, um, you know, that he should be back. But they tried different lineup combinations. And, you know, Stanford early in the season, traditionally, uh, they play these tough schedules and, and they like to kind of 
see where they're at against good competition and, and they will try a variety of lineup combinations, you know, and, and, and rotation combination of the mound as well um, to try to find what's working for them. And they've got a lot of depth in this lineup now and guys like, you know, Austin Barr and Austin Slater and, um, you know, these, these sophomores that didn't get to play a lot last year that have talent, they're going to get their chances to show what they can do now. So, you know, I, I think it'll, It'll take a little time for this team to gel. I think by the time conference play starts, we'll have a better idea of who Stanford is, and they'll have a better idea of who they are. I mean, I still think they're a very talented club. they got a lot of big names and prospects in that lineup that got shut down by Rice's pitching staff this weekend. I mean, four runs in three games uh, for, for a team as talented as Stanford. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's impressive work by the Owls. Certainly got to give them credit. Kubitsa, I guess, uh, uh, had a good slider going this weekend, got those 12 strikeouts. He pitched, uh, you know, in and out of trouble a little bit, but made big pitches when he had to. And then John Sims on Sunday, I think, was um, fantastic. I mean, seven innings, a one-hit ball. Um, you know, Wayne Graham talked about it in our weekend preview last week. You know, th- this guy uh, had some kind of a procedure in the fall to – uh, you know, to, to improve his breathing. There was some kind of a nose issue there. Um, and, and Wayne Graham said he thinks it's going to make a big difference for him and, and, you know, that he'll have a huge season because he can, he can sleep now, you know, which <laughs> that, that, that's kind of important. Um, but, uh, you know, so far so good. And that guy was fantastic. And then, you know, they can afford maybe to keep him in, in that role going forward if they want to because it looks like they've got themselves a pretty good closer with Lamont back there who had uh, pitched well twice this weekend. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do with, with Kevin McCann when and if he returns. Um, it sounded like they weren't really sure about the nature of his injury when I talked to Coach Graham last week. So I, I have no idea how long he's going to be out. But when he returns, I wonder if they'll just leave Sims in the bull, in the rotation anyway. Yeah, that, I think John Sims voted for yes on the rotation this weekend with uh, seven yeah. one-hit innings, even with Stanford without uh, Austin Wilson. Uh, Stanford, like we said, a very deep lineup. It's a very deep team, and they have other options to score, and they just couldn't score against uh, against Rice. What do you know? Rice is good at pitching. Uh, that that seems to happen yeah. uh, year in and year out. That's why uh, Wayne Graham has all those uh, all those rings on that poster. Um, Aaron. Uh, other top 25 team that seemed like it really jumped out at us. Well, I guess two in our preseason top 25 jumped out at us. One for a good reason, one for a bad reason. Mississippi State for a good reason. And they went and swept four games from visiting Portland. Not not that we were surprised that they swept Portland, but their dominance was impressive. And then one that you were at, at least in part, was San Diego State against San Diego. And not a big shock necessarily that USD got swept by San Diego State. It sounds like the Aztecs kind of have played very well. Um, against the the uh, not the Dons the Toreros the Dons are <laughs> San Francisco, but uh, talk a little bit about the the new ballpark at University of San Diego, uh, that Rich Hill and the the fundraising job that he did there and the uh, it just sounds like the USD has one of the showplace ballparks if yeah. not the showplace ballpark on the West Coast right now. To me, it comes down to USD and Oregon. I think those are head and shoulders above everything else on the West Coast. Um, this this place is is really fantastic. You know, I love the fact that um, they uh, they tied it in with the architecture of the campus. You know, they've got that uh, beautiful vaulted entry, entryway when you first walk up, uh, and it's got the same kind of, um, you know, color scheme as the rest of the campus, and, and it just is, uh, it's beautiful. You know, you walk in, and, and you're, you know, they still have that, that, that natural seating bowl that they uh, took advantage of, and so it's it's just... 
uh, it's very organic. You know, and you walk in and you get this view deck that looks down across the entire seating bowl in the field. And then you walk down some stairs out of the open air concourse, um, which uh, has great sight lines. I mean, one of the things I really like about this this ballpark is, um, you know, when you're when you're in line at the concession stand, you know, people always say with this new wave of ballparks is you can, you can watch the game while you're waiting for your hot dog. Well, this park is really true because of the, the, the angle I feel like of the seats. I mean, you got a really good view of the, of the action all the way up until you pay for your food. It's nice. Um, so I, I, you know, they did a great job with this park and it's going to be fantastic for them. The locker room is beautiful. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big league caliber locker room. It's really nice. Um, and, uh, I wonder if this weekend, you know, some of the, the pomp and circumstance and, and just the, the, frenzied um last week to get this thing ready i mean the, the, the you know their video board their brand new scoreboard that they put up out there which is really nice also uh that was installed you know 24 hours i think before the game started on friday huh. they're pouring they're pouring concrete you know two days three days before the thing opened i mean out in the concourse i mean it, it was really a mad dash to the finish line uh and you know the players you know were kind of rushing around and it was just it felt like their heads were on a, a swivel a little bit but for all that Hey, they were in those games. I mean, they, you know, two days in a row, Saturday and Sunday, you got uh, runners on second and third and nobody out in the ninth inning down two runs. And, and you know, against a freshman closer and Bubba Derby and, and Bubba shut him down. I mean, he, give that guy some credit. Freshman closer coming in, striking out, you know, Chris Bryant and Connor Joe. And, you know, he had three straight strikeouts in that game with the bases loaded after inheriting that jam on Sunday. That's amazing for a freshman. And then uh, the day before that, of course, he also, you know, came up pretty big. So um, to me, that, that guy, he's interesting. I mean, he's got a little Trevor Gottenham from Kentucky and one of those small right-handers, not as much arm strength, but it got the mean streak. Um, I liked San Diego State's team. You know, it's, it's, it's a much deeper pitching staff. Uh, it's got the frontline arms with Cedaroth and Walby um, and, uh, and it's strong up the middle. I mean, Greg Allen is a stud in center field. He's, he's going to be a real, I think, big time draft guy, switch hitting, um, center fielder with, with speed and great range and instincts and can hit from both sides. He put on a show this weekend and, you know, Tim Zier and, and Evan Potter are good in the middle infield and they got a great catcher, I think, in Jake Romanski. So, uh, watch out for the Aztecs. They're very much improved. Let me tell you something. If you like college baseball and you didn't get, just get jacked, by Aaron, getting all excited about Bubba Derby and the Aztecs. <laughs> you don't like college baseball. I'm calling you out because Aaron, that was awesome. You got me. Uh, you start. You might. You might have uh, kickstarted my heart there. If I can quote Motley Crue, with the. Uh, nice. I, I don't care. I can't believe I just did that. I'm gonna edit that out of the podcast. No, I won't. But uh, great stuff. I love your excitement for Bubba Derby. Hey, Bubba Derby getting on the all name team. Let's put Bubba Good Derby job. into the mix. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's a great name. That's a great name right there. It's a great name. And uh, I'll tell you, I thought of so many things there, Aaron, I, I could go off on, but I, I'm trying to keep it tangent list. But I will just ask you this question. Uh, it really does seem like, uh, not, you know, again, I'm going to date myself, but back in 1998 was the first time that we did like college baseball ballpark rankings. And it was hard to get to 12. You know, we went to 12, I think it was. Maybe 15. I, I think it was 12, though. And, I mean, Ohio State made the rankings. And, uh, you know, Tennessee made the rankings. And, you know, basically they were like five or to seven real show places in college baseball at that time. And then the other teams that got on there were because they had larger stadiums. Or, you know, they could seat 3,000 people. But... um then we did it again in 2003, I feel like, and we might have done it one time since then. But now if you did college baseball ballpark rankings, you'd have to go to like 50. 
it is amazing how many nice and the building boom and this the growth in this sport in the last 15 years the most tangible sign because i remember i forget who it was you retweeted a tremendous looking image of yeah. the new ballpark at dallas baptist that's right i mean the the building boom in college baseball and just some of the places the schools where you see these show places these colleges that have decided that they can compete on a national level in college baseball more than they can in other sports and they put their money where their mouth is it's, it's just amazing and it's it's great to see for the sport you nailed it. I mean, it, you, that's a great point. You, you talk about Dallas Baptist and San Diego mm-hmm. uh, with, with some of the nicer facilities. I mean, that, that shows you. You're right. This is a sport where you don't have to be in the SEC uh, to compete on a national level. And sure, it helps when you're in the SEC. I mean, you look at all the beautiful facilities that have been – even the new ones have just been built in the last couple of years with LSU and South Carolina and you know, the, the, the massive project at Ole Miss and, and Texas A&M now as well right. in, in the SEC finally remember that they're in the SEC. How about that? Good job. Um, <laughs> and, you know, North Carolina here locally. Uh, yeah. I mean, TCU. But, 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 and, but it's right, but it's even like, but the smaller parks too, like uh, that you, that you, uh, even up north where you see teams uh, build a thousand seat stadium or 1500 seats. It's the, it's the ballparks. And then you mentioned Oregon earlier. It's the places Oregon didn't even have baseball five years ago. Now right. they have the best facility in, you know, in the West Coast, and it's just amazing how many wherever you go in college baseball, whatever conference you're in, you're in, you're gonna find someone in that league who's got a really nice ballpark. And I just think it can't be understated how important that is. And I guess the biggest factor to me, it seems, Aaron, is that if you build a nice ballpark in college baseball. You're going to host a tournament. You can either host your conference tournament for some of these leagues, the smaller leagues, or you get to host postseason. You get to host regional and super regional, and that's something that's not even possible in basketball or football. You don't host postseason games in your on-campus stadium, right. and that is that's something right. that baseball offers that other sports uh, just don't offer. So, and, and that reminds me of one other point I want to make about this weekend. Uh, San Diego so used to playing their games – in the daytime, they traditionally have struggled under the lights at night. And, and you know, when they hosted a, a, a regional across town at San Diego State a few years ago, they played very poorly at night. Um, and, uh, you know, this weekend they're playing under the lights for those first two games. And you know, I wonder if that might be a factor as well. If there's some some adjustment period, you know, about getting used to playing playing at night. And San Diego State is used to playing at night. They, you know, they have for years. Um, I don't know, just something to think about. I think there's something to that that's always been an issue with the Cubs uh, when the Cubs have had some good teams. And when they first started playing more games under the lights at Wrigley Field, that was an issue. They did not. Uh, it, it's just a matter of ri- baseball is a routine game. It's a matter of routine and rhythm. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go all uh, Matt Doherty on you and talk about your body rhythm and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> what was that stuff he talked about? You got me. I, 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 I blocked out the Doherty era, I think. Smart man. Smart man. <laughs> it's the Baseball America podcast with John and, uh, and Aaron. And Aaron, uh, you know, speaking of lights, did Cal play under the lights this weekend? Or are those going to be ready no. for Pac-12 play? Right, exactly. It's, uh, I think it's March. Okay. It's another t- another good good news in college baseball where even Cal is getting lights, which is, again, they were on the chopping block two years ago and uh, obviously went to Omaha and, and I've, I've rallied as a program. Um, Aaron, we got a little sidetracked there. Um, let's talk about a couple other uh, teams in our top 25 rankings that were impressive. You know, on our Google Plus Hangout, I, uh, we talked about UC Irvine. I meant to ask you also about Cal State Fullerton, also in the Big West. I'm changing gears on you a little bit here. Sure. But uh, the Titans, uh, preseason top 25 team, 
pretty impressive weekend, it seems like, for Rick Vanderhoek's second club in, as Fullerton wins two games against visiting Nebraska, beat USC, won a game at Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, seems like Cal State Fullerton offensively is going to take a big step forward from what they had last year. I really like their lineup, you know, with with uh, some impact guys with Matt Chapman and, and J.D. Davis in that sophomore class that I think are going to take huge steps this year. And you saw J.D. Davis have a monster first weekend. Uh, that guy's got serious juice. He gives them some presence, you know, that they haven't had since Nick Ramirez left, really. Um, but uh, uh, and Chapman and, and, you know, Michael Lorenzen, it sounds like he's much improved as a hitter, um, you know, and the depth and athleticism of that lineup. They're going to hit. They're going to score a lot of runs, I think, and they're going to defend. Uh, and, you know, the question was how much would they pitch? And I really like their freshman arms, um, but they are freshmen, you know, and they'll have their ups and downs. But a great start for, for Eshelman and, and Justin Garza, you know, two guys that uh, have to have big years for them, especially with, with Kenny Matthews gone. I mean, it's a thinner staff than they had hoped probably that it would be. Um, and so very encouraging. I mean, Garza, I, I have no doubt. I've never had a doubt that guy is going to be a monster in college baseball and six innings, a two hit shutout ball. It's, that's a, it's a nice way to start it off. But, um, you know, those two guys and, and Graham Weist, you know, um, they yeah, got gone some strike and, throwers gone and Weist are the holdover guys are their experienced solid guys. And they, they, they bring in, uh, like you said, Garza and Etchelman just feels like a team that, uh, got more answers than they had yeah. last year where last year was really a, they were, they were scraptastic. You know, if they beat you, they beat you three to two or four to two and, took advantage of your mistakes. feels like they're the kind of team that maybe can make its own uh, breaks this year. They're a little bit more capable, a little bit more physical. Is, more that, dynamic. is that fair? Absolutely. I agree with you. No question about it. And and, and you mentioned Kobe Gunna as well. It's a guy that um, I think is another guy that's going to take a step forward as a sophomore. It sounds like he's, he's got more velocity and, and seven, seven strong innings in his season debut. That's uh, That's pretty loud. Yeah, they gave up six extra base hits all weekend. That's pretty impressive. Aaron, I skipped over. I, I teased it earlier when we talked about USD. Uh, so I should mention one of the uh, Cal State Fullerton went 4 0 this weekend, Mississippi State 4 0 this weekend. Uh, they take down Portland, uh, visiting Portland, and, and the Bulldogs. Um, Aaron, this is a very deep club. It feels like almost their strength is their depth, and that maybe their weakness, I, I wouldn't say it's a weakness, but last year you could really peg things to uh, Stratton, and they had Chris Stratton, who had that epic game against LSU, and they just had a true dominant Friday starter. They don't have that this year, but they really don't seem like they have any weaknesses other than that, Aaron. I mean, uh, and they were on all their strengths, their athleticism, their pitching depth, their power arms, and the depth of their lineup. They were all on display this weekend against the visiting pilots. You nailed it. I mean, that's exactly right. They, they've got a lot of things to like. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think I think Jacob Lindgren might be the answer at that Friday spot. You know, he's got dynamic stuff. I mean, it's it's a it's a power fastball and it's a, a really good power breaking ball as well from the left side. He's kind of one of those little undersized, uh, but 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 very physical left handers. Um, you know, like a Robbie Ross kind of a guy, um, kind of an obscure reference for if you're a college oh, fan, I that's guess. That's okay. But... Texas Rangers, big league left-hander. Come on, get on the, go. the program. Everybody knows who Robbie Ross is. Right, okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he, this guy, I mean, he, he's got a chance to be awfully good. And, and, you know, they got great starts from Evan Mitchell and Kendall Graveman this weekend and, and Louis Poyorena as well. You know, I've, I've always been a fan of his. So um, lots of depth. We didn't even see uh, uh, Woodruff this weekend. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of arms and, and – uh, 
and they hit. I mean, you know, we we we've been talking about Hunter Renfro for years, and and you know, he got off to a good start. Uh, hit 357 this weekend, and um, you know, Wes Ray had a had a nice weekend for. He got uh, he banged up a little bit and missed Sunday. Nothing nothing to worry about there. But um, I think, I think you, know. you get banged up when you're six five, two seventy two, and your coach is asking you to go first <laughs> to third. Um, you know, maybe they need to take it easy with Wes Ray on the first to thirds. How about Adam Frazier, too, by the way? I mean, 8 for 16 this weekend. That guy is just a great college player. I mean, he makes them go. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he kind of picked up right where he left off last year. Really feels like with Frazier and Bradford, they have a couple of just great college yeah. table setter guys. And if they can keep Ray Norris, Ray and Norris healthy and, and have that leap forward by Renfro, uh, the top five in that lineup, maybe it's not going to be the as potent as the middle of the order as Virginia Tech, which we brought into the rankings and we talked more about them uh, on the Google Plus Hangout. That, to me, is as potent a middle of the lineup as any club has in the, in the whole country. But I feel like Mississippi State's offense is underrated here, and I, I feel like if they keep those guys healthy, yeah. they're really gonna they're gonna they're gonna pound some people this year. And, I, and that's uh, that has not been their their motives. <clears throat> excuse me, that has not been their mo uh, the last couple of years. And and I like their pitching staff like you do. Uh, you know, I know it, it's one weekend, but even coming off last year. Jonathan Holder, how many closers in the country would you put ahead of that guy? It feels like he's in the yeah. small group of elite closers in the country. I'm with you. I mean, hey, a guy that had nine saves in a 0-32 ERA last year, that's pretty loud. But you're right about, the. I think, the lineup being maybe a little underrated. I mean, heck, people look at their, their stats and they say, oh, they hit 251 last year. Why, you know, they, why are they going to hit this year? Well, we believe in this in this talent and the experience and the depth of this lineup, and that's why we, we graded it a 60. I mean, their, their hitting is a 60 in the preseason, yeah. uh, you know, above average, and, uh, and the power is a 50. And, that, you know, and, and if they were in a different ballpark, that might play even more. But, but um, even in this ballpark with the fence moved in a little bit, um, you're going to see a, a little bit more power production out of the Bulldogs this year. I think so. Aaron, to wrap up, I'll, I'll have a final thought, and then you, you, you formulate a final thought from the top 25. I will just uh, – only only game I ended up going to this weekend was Appalachian State at North Carolina State. Uh, entertaining. We had great weather. Uh, it was good to see uh, Trey Turner uh, up to his old tricks, two more stolen bases. That guy is as dynamic an individual player as there is in college baseball. Um, it was a down day for Carlos Rodon. The box score tells that. I mean, he did have, I think, eight strikeouts, maybe nine. Uh, but obviously the NC State ace, preseason first-team All-American, gave up three home runs. He'd given up two all of last year. Uh, gave up three. Jalen Davis, I believe, is the freshman's name, who took him deep on a cutter in the first inning for Appalachian State. Uh, very encouraging look at App State. Their defense was a little shaky. Um, they gave NC State the runs that NC State got. They, basically, App State gave them poor infield defense. But uh, App State, a lot of new arms. Um, and, you know, Chris Pollard, their former head coach, has now moved on to Duke. Billy Jones doesn't quite have that same reputation as Pollard did as far as developing pitchers. Um, but, you know, nice job this weekend. They threw some new guys into the fire, moved Rob Ar- Marciello to the back of the bullpen. Uh, he got the save. Uh, nice uh, blog post on our draft blog from Connor Glassy was a video of Marciello, who I wrote about last year when he went down to LSU, beat them on Sunday, pitched into the ninth inning. Uh, so big, you know, g- big win for App State's only one game. A little concerned for Carlos Rodon because his velocity was down, but I'm not that concerned about Carlos. I'm more concerned with uh, NC State's lineup. Uh, without Brett Williams, the fifth-year senior right fielder, to, you know, really to me, you were looking at Brett Williams as a key piece to replacing the fact that they lost their two big power bats from last year, and Danny Canella to transfer, and Ryan Matthews, a fifth-year senior, to graduation and the draft. So, 
you know, Matthews hit 17, 18 home runs last year. Canelo was their four-hole hitter. Uh, those were significant losses for NC State. And right now, it was one-game look. But I, I, if I were an opposing team, I wouldn't be frightened by anyone else in NC State's lineup outside of Trey Turner. If you keep him off the bases, it's hard to see NC State uh, generating a lot of offense unless guys like Terrence Sine and some of their other veterans kind of make that stuff forward. The big guy who needs to make that stuff forward is Brett Austin. And, uh, you know, I think Brett Austin knows that. So uh, I was a little concerned. It was one game look, but I have a little concern about NC State's uh, ability to generate offense outside of Trey Turner. And that, that's that's just something to, to, to monitor. Uh, you don't hit the panic button, but something to monitor going forward with the Wolfpack, which we dropped from I think, uh, 8 to 10. I think they – I just have a hunch. I mean, who knows? But I have a feeling they could have bounced back uh, and had a big weekend offensively after that Friday game. Look at North Carolina. I mean, they I, scored one yep. run on Friday, and then they came back and scored a, a lot of runs. And look at UCLA. I mean, they, they scored, what, two against Minnesota Friday and then scored 28 the next two days. I mean, we, sometimes, you know, that happens – um, you know, first game. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely don't I mean, want to, I don't want to look too much into it. And I, I, I think people are going to look into this and say, what's wrong with Rodon? I don't think a ton's wrong with Rodon. I think the bigger issue going forward for state is just, as I look at them on paper, after watching them the other day, I'm more interested to see how they respond offensively the rest of the year. That's, yeah. that's where I'm really going. That's what I really would have watched for the rest of the weekend. Uh, right. how could they have come back and how will they go? You know, going forward, uh, they got Villanova, Wagner, and LaSalle coming in this weekend. But, you know, Villanova's got a power arm. What's the guy's name? Uh, we just saw him Friday. Uh, Young. Okay. I, 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 he, uh, you know, Nathan and Connor uh, saw him against Monmouth the other day. Um, yeah, it's a, a, I forget his first name. It's Young. But he, he was up to 94 miles an hour uh, regularly in the first couple innings of that game. So yeah, NC State's going to yeah, – I'm, I'm looking to that to see how they respond – offensively from the, that, again, just one game. Uh, and really, the only reason we dropped them wasn't necessarily they lost one game. It was that Ole Miss uh, played so well in sweeping the series, and LSU played very well as well in sweeping its opening series. Uh, so that, 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 you know, I don't think anyone should push the panic button right, right, on right. the Wolfpack. That's Pat Young, by the way, Villanova, who uh, was, was pretty good on the Cape last year and, uh, you know, kind of a kind of a, a sleeper draft guy. Maybe not a sleeper to scouts in the Northeast, but... Uh, anyway, um, you know, my, my final thought, my takeaway here this weekend, uh, you know, I saw, I think I saw five games at five different parks, you know, 10 different teams. I had a lot of, a lot of impressions and I'll I'll write about some of them in three strikes. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, USC getting the, the win on Sunday, um, was, was pretty neat to see for, for Dan Hubbs getting his first victory against Nebraska. It was a come from behind ninth inning rally. Um, you know, they, uh, um, that team showed a little bit of poise and, and some talent too. I mean, the freshmen are really going to be fun to watch for, for USC. They're going to take their lumps. Um, you know, Bazoyan and Timmy Robinson, those guys have big physicality and, and power potential. And, you know, I think they're going to strike out a lot, but, uh, but they're going to have their good games too. And Bazoyan had a great game on, on, on Sunday at three hits and showed a much better approach than I recall seeing from him in the past in high school. Uh, and then Kyle Toomey as well, the, the left-hander, yep. um, you know, that they're so excited about. I mean, he's he's got work to do. You know, he's got to improve the secondary stuff, but the fastball has so much life on it, and, and the arm action is so easy. There's so much projection, um, and, you know, he, he just has a field of pitch with that fastball. You know, he's, he's just a little like Kenny Matthews last year with Fullerton. Um, you know, that's going to be his bread and butter. Um, but uh, he, he he pitched pretty well into the seventh inning and uh, very encouraging performance. Pretty good crowd at USC. One of the better crowds I've seen there. 
I mean, it was, I don't know, it might have been 750 people. It was today, 797, so good Okay, call. well, there you go. But, I mean, it wasn't, you know, so it wasn't like a SEC crowd or anything. I'm not trying to get carried away, but it was it was a good, lively crowd. I mean, fans were into it, and, um, you know, they had something to cheer about at the end. So, um, you know, good for SC. Nebraska, uh, disappointing to let that game get away. Um bad 0-4 weekend for Nebraska, but they're not that far off. I mean, um, you know, Northern team coming down to Southern California to start the year, took a little bit of lumps, um, need to get the pitching figured out, but I kind of like the top uh, four or five guys in their lineup, um, you know, and I think uh, I think they're going to be okay, but it'll take a little bit of time to get that thing going as well. Aaron, it's definitely one of my projects for the rest of the day is just as I was going around the internet this weekend and getting all the emails uh and as we wrap up, was the attendance just looked great in college baseball this weekend. I mean, Cal State Bakersfield with 1,300 on Sunday against nice. uh, Fullerton. I saw Georgia Southern drew like 3,000 with Georgia in town and won That's that right. series, if memory serves. So, they did. Um, so, I mean, just there were there was Penn, there was, and, and NC State and North Carolina both had great crowds on Friday. NC State had like close to 2,400. It was standing room. I mean, it was uh, – there were the anticipation – for that game was significant. And we're in mid-February in college basketball country. That was unexpected. So I, I definitely want to do some research today, see what attendance was like around the country, because I have a feeling it was pretty good. And uh, going back to our ballpark, uh, you know, to start the year, I just think it's great to see that the state of college baseball, the state of college baseball is pretty doggone good. I'm, I'm excited for the season. You got me, Jack. I'm telling you, when you talked about Bubba, <laughs> oh, what's his name? What's Bubba his name? Derby. Bubba Derby. When you talked about Bubba Derby, and he's got going for the Aztecs, I mean, crying out loud, college baseball season's here, baby. Let's get fired up. I'm Jack. How about well, one final? I already said I was going to make my final thought, but you talked about home field advantages and crowds. And how about Pittsburgh going to Wichita State, how John? About that? Sweeping the Shockers. First time Wichita has been swept at home since 1970. That Are was you the kidding me? First home losses in the state in the month of February ever uh, at home for Gene Stevens and team. That was crazy. They were they, 69 they were- and 0. 69 and 0 at home in February. I mean, my God, that is. Uh, first of all, I mean, you, hey, you tip your cap to Wichita for for that kind for those stats. I mean, Absolutely. Those are amazing statistics. But uh, Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, they got a veteran team. They got a little bit of talent. They were a little excited about their team coming into the year. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some more on them uh, coming up here in, at BaseballAmerica.com uh, in, the, in the coming days or weeks. But uh, there could be a team to watch there in that Big East. ACC, Big East. I was another Big East, but I was going to say for uh, just for everybody who thinks that we're biased, uh, hashtag ACC, you know, for for Pittsburgh. But uh, the excitement right. with the Pittsburgh baseball fans, all seven of them, was evident in our inboxes uh, this week, and that's that's the next thing that has to happen. Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh baseball. If you want to make that next step, have people come watch you when you play. But of course, they probably won't play home games until April. So <laughs> this yeah. is. This is uh, what happens when you're when you're Pittsburgh. But that that is uh, that was a pretty huge uh, weekend uh, to note. So I'm glad you noted that one, Aaron. Uh, good stuff. Great great start of the college podcast. I'm gonna tell you the first time we ran this through, I wasn't as fired up. But after I screwed <laughs> it up and lost the podcast into the ether, I'm fired up. So way to go, Fitzy. You got me jacked. You got me pumped and jacked. A little more energy in take two. How about that? It must be the Red Bull, John. I, I, that's the difference. I cracked open the Red Bull. <laughs> That's it. That's that's completely it. Aaron Fit, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Aaron Fit, college baseball savant. Aaron, uh, thanks for the time and uh, and the second time, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, John. Always a pleasure. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 